Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. Working with a reactive dog can be very frustrating. It takes a very long time to get your dog to feel more comfortable, more confident in the situations that cause them to react. To control the triggers that are in the environment can be very challenging. And to do that all by yourself is very, very difficult. We're going to talk about reactivity today, but if you're interested in taking my reactivity course to guide you step-by-step through the process of training you and your dog, head over to matadorcanine.com slash reactivity, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity. One of the first reactivity cases I ever worked with was with a dog named Toto. He was a pit bull mix, about five or six years old, and he would lose it if he was within 100 feet of another dog. I mean, lose it. Spinning around, jumping, making this high-pitched, squirrely sound. Absolutely nuts when he saw another dog. Now, he lived with another dog. It wasn't aggression. Could it have been an excitement? Could it have been frustration because he wanted to get to the other dog? Well, we never let him off leash. We never let him chase after another dog. We never let the other dog get so close as to find out. But there was one situation where he did run up to another dog. He ran straight up to the dog, sat in front of it, and did absolutely nothing. This baffled the owners because they wondered, why the hell am I working so much on reactivity? Why is this dog absolutely bonkers whenever they see a dog? But there seems to be no problem when they get up to the dog. Well, It's because they had socialized the dog well with other dogs, and it knew what to do when it got up to other dogs, but it was frustrated, it was anxious, it was stressed out that it couldn't get to the other dog. And in one instance, the dog freaked out so much that it actually fell off a platform and it panicked. So now when it saw German Shepherds, which is the dog they were working with, they have a pit bull, they're working with a pit bull, but the dog fell off a platform because it reacted to a German Shepherd. And so now when it saw a German Shepherd, it thought it was going to fall off of something. That's how crazed its mind got when it saw another dog. And so it started to get fearful of German Shepherds. So now we have a a two-pronged reactivity approach. We got to deal with fear with German Shepherds, and we got to deal with overexcitement and frustration of being on the leash when they see other dogs. They still wanted to have a dog that enjoyed its life. They still wanted to go for walks. They still wanted to do all the fun things that you get to do when you own a dog. And yet they couldn't because of all the reactivity that had happened to them. Everything they had to work on constantly. So the owner decided to wake up early in the morning and take his dog out. 4 a.m. every single day for years, this man would take his dog out, walk him when no one was around, and then go home and the dog would be inside the house or in the backyard for the rest of the day. And then he would wait till late at night to take the dog out. Why did he do this? He understood that your dog needs to be socialized. They need to be out in the environment. They need stimulation. They need enrichment. They need to be able to smell things, walk around, run a little bit. Right? They need all of that. And yet he couldn't achieve it if other people were out. The dog was so overstimulated he could barely walk the dog. He needed to do something. And his option, his solution, was to go early in the morning. 
4 a.m. He was waking up. He was going to take that dog out and he was going to do something with the dog. Now, of course, someone would run the corner because they're going for a morning run. David Goggins, right? He's going for his morning run at 4 a.m. He's not going to stop running until tonight. So, yeah, he did run into those people. And the dog did get overstimulated by that. Ooh, someone's running. Oh, my God, what are we doing? He just had to fix it in that moment, bring the dog back to a calm state of mind, and then move forward. That's all he could do. Until we finished our reactivity training where he started to get a lot better. So what I want to talk about today is there's different ways to socialize your dog, especially if they're dog reactive, people reactive. They bark at squirrels, cats, bicycles, anything. If your dog is stuck in that mindset and you're working on it, you're diligently practicing it, you still need to get your dog socialized one way or another. And I'm going to talk about three main ways to do it. Number one, you could pay for space. I've known plenty of people that do this. There are some apps out there that let you rent people's backyards, right? People who have very large backyards and maybe had a dog, but unfortunately don't anymore or they just have a large backyard and they can't have a dog because they work too much or for whatever reason, but they want a dog in their backyard, uh, they can put an application, I guess you could say, on an app. And it becomes a service where people who don't have backyards can use that person's backyard as a place to play with their dog. Uh, you can just do a quick Google search for that. But you're essentially paying for the time and the space. And you get to do whatever you want with that dog. I don't believe they have multiple dogs at the same time. I believe it's one dog at a time. Maybe you could have two if you have a friend who your dog gets along with, which I'm going to talk about later. But that's option number one, pay for a space. Really, option number one was to take your dog early in the morning for walks. Option number two is pay for a space. I've known people who rent out agility facilities. They say, I'm going to need this space for two hours. And they pay for two hours worth of time. And they play with their dog, they run around with their dog, they do scent detection, they do agility with their dog. They do fun stuff that the dog's going to enjoy because the dog needs that enrichment. The dog needs to be out in the environment. They get very bored at home. That's why we have enrichment activities at home, but eventually it's good to get them out. It's good to do some extracurricular activities, as they say. So that's number one. Have your dog pay for all of that. Number two is a little more challenging, and depending on the severity of your dog's reactivity, you may or may not be able to do this. This is what I have a lot of my clients do at a certain point. I say, okay, this is, this is the point where we're going to do this now. Right? Their dog is starting to understand the concepts. They're starting to self-redirect, meaning when they see another trigger, they just turn towards you and get a treat. Wonderful. We're going to go to parks when they're quiet. So this is kind of like walking early in the morning or late at night. You got to find out what's the quiet time at the park. What is the time where there isn't that many people out? Is it the morning? Is it the afternoon? Probably not. Right? Is it late morning? Right? There might be a morning rush of people who go to the park, and then from 11 or 10 to 11, there's nobody at the park. That might be your window to go. Okay. Now, if you're driving there, you can sit in the car for a little bit, have your dog relax and calm down, and then go out into the park. And again, have them relax and calm down. Your goal is just to have them be socialized with the environment. Socialized does not need to be with other dogs or with people. It just means being in the environment and starting to accept the situations that they're in. So you can go to a park. You can go to a playground. You can go to a dog park if there's nobody there. Although 
if anybody shows up, you immediately have to leave. And then you have a weird, awkward situation where you're trapped in the park while they're trying to come in and then you're trying to go to the circle and then they let their dog loose. So it's probably not a good idea. But if you had to go to the dog park, okay, you'd have to figure that out. You'd have to really be good at telling somebody, hey, just stop for a minute. Let me take my dog out and then you can come in. Or maybe there's two sides to a dog park where there's one side is for big dogs, one side is for small dogs. You could be on the big dog section and get them used to small dogs being around. It depends. What is your level of severity in the reaction? Blah, words. <laughs> Every episode I, I mess up. <laughs> what is the level of reactivity that your dog has? What is the level of reactivity that your dog has? Is it enough where you could be on the other side of the fence and maybe your dog just runs back and forth with the small dogs? Or is it where your dog is trying to get through the fence to see the other dog? Depends, okay? But having your dog socialized a little bit in that way might help. However, I do not recommend the dog park very often. But I do recommend parks, wide open spaces. Places where your dog can focus and play with you, and 100 feet away there's somebody. That's going to be good to get them used to people slowly getting closer and closer into their bubble. I did a podcast episode a little while ago about bubbles. I'm going to put the link in the description. But the bubble is going to get smaller and smaller as they get more and more comfortable with people entering or dogs entering. So if you can go to a park when it's not that busy, 10 to 11, let's say, and then you practice for a couple of weeks and next month you're going to do from 1030 to 1130 where it starts to get busy for lunchtime. Right? And then maybe instead of that time, because 11.30 to 1 o'clock is the busiest time, then you go from 2 to 3 when there's not that many people. And then you dial that back, right? So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm objectively looking at the time to try to find out when is it going to be the most quiet. And then I'm going to slowly push my training into a more busy and busy time. This kind of splitting of behavior, this kind of controlling the environment, is what is necessary in order to have a successful reactivity training plan. This is what a lot of people forget to do. They go, okay, I'm just going to go to the park and I'm just going to figure it out. Think about it. Google has this wonderful feature which tells you how busy a place is. You're going to go to a cafe and there's nobody there. Perfect. If you're going to go during rush hour, that's going to be a problem. Go to Google, type in where you're going, and it'll tell you how busy it is. It's a wonderful, wonderful feature, and I think more dog owners should use it. Number three. Bring them around people and triggers, but at a large distance. However you may do that. And depending on your dog's reactivity level. So you could have a friend have a dog at 100 feet. And you guys are just going to hang out 100 feet apart. Maybe you go on the phone if you're at 100 feet apart. And then you just slowly get closer. Every day you get a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Right, that, that stretch, that distance is what makes your dog more comfortable. When we close that distance is when they start to get stressed. Now, if your dog can't handle 100 feet, if your dog can't handle that distance, then of course we have a problem. Right? You're just not at this level yet. You need to do a lot more training before we get to this point. You can also do this outside of parks and outside of dog parks. You can either be in the car, just park across the street and have your dog react and reward them for turning towards you when they don't react, rather. And I cover all of this in 
matadorcanine.com slash reactivity, my reactivity course. The link is going to be in the description, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity. If you just want the manual, you want to get started, you want to have an organized, systematic way to approach things, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity manual. I'm going to put that in the link as well. You can just get the manual. It's a great tool if you don't want to do the whole course, but you want to have a structure. You want to have a system that you can write everything down, stay on track, keep yourself accountable, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity manual. I'm going to give you a bonus here. Okay. And this is towards the end of your act reactivity training because it's important to socialize your dog with other dogs. Okay. Whether your dog is reactive to other dogs or not, it is important to have them socialize with other dogs, but that does not need to be play. It means to be, I'm around another dog, but I'm not doing anything. Or maybe I'm not playing with that other dog. One of my clients who lives in Canada, she worked with a friend where they would just do obedience, her German Shepherd and them would do obedience near each other until the dogs got comfortable. Everything was going good. And then when they got to a certain point in training, they were like, okay, our dogs are doing great. They're focusing on us. They're still responding. They're listening well. Then they were able to play. Now, her dog was not aggressive. It was not going to go bite anybody. So there's no fear of that. But there was fear of like, okay, okay what happens if they're overstimulated and they're, they're freaking out? So they did it very controlled. They let them play, and then they would go back to obedience for a little bit. Then they would let them play, and then go back to obedience for a little bit. That's how you socialize your dog properly. If you can find a friend who's maybe going through the same situation you're going through, go through a course together on reactivity. Go through the training together so you have somebody to bounce ideas off of. You have somebody to keep you accountable. You have somebody to support you when you're stressed because they understand what you're going through. If you have that person, go to the park together when it's quiet. And do all of these things together. You could pay for a space, you could go to a park, and you're going to slowly close the distance between you and your friend. And then have your dog eventually play with that friend or say hello with that friend as long as it's not aggression. I don't want anyone getting bit or any dogs getting injured. Okay? Keep it safe. Use your judgment. If you're nervous, if you're worried, ask a professional to review your training before you. they say, okay, you can have them play because it's going to determine on the reactivity case that you have. But if you can have somebody do this with you, it's going to make it 10 times easier for you. You can meet up every single day and do this. And that's kind of what you need to do. Now, there are levels of stress that is going to change the way your dog works, the way your dog behaves. So if Monday you put them over threshold and they completely lose their mind, the cortisol levels in their body are going to rise, which means they're going to be insanely stressed out. And that's going to take about 24 to 48 hours to go away. So if you do the same thing on Tuesday, the same thing on Wednesday, the same thing on Thursday, the same thing on Friday, your dog is now building up all this cortisol and they're just going to be stressed for their entire life. You need some days in between. So I would do every other day, Monday, is going to be something that is a little more stressful, but we are not trying to push our dog into reacting. Your goal through reactivity training is to keep your dog as calm as humanly possible, as much as possible. The second your dog freaks out, you know you went too far too fast. You've gone too close to the trigger. You've pushed them too far. You need to dial it back. So if you can relax everything and make it really calm on Monday, then Tuesday, ooh, we're doing good. Let me go a little extra on good. Let me do something that's enriching for them. That's when you might pay for a space or you might go to a park that has nobody there where you might have a friend work with you and just keep them successful. Go really far apart so that your dog barely even notices there's a dog. That's going to help them in the long term. Then on Wednesday, 
you do a little more stressful training. And then on Thursday, you, you ease up a little bit. You see what I'm doing? So I'm sandwiching the good, the, the stressful training that we need in order to progress. Not stressful in that we're having our dog freak out. Just enough to start progressing. There needs to be a little bit of pressure for them to keep moving forward in the training. But then I'm taking the pressure off by making it easier, doing enrichment, keeping it fun. And then we put the pressure back on. If you are struggling with reactivity, take advantage of the reactivity manual, matadorcanine.com forward slash reactivity manual. If you want some serious training and you want to be guided step-by-step through the process, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity. I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, Let me know if there's topics that you want me to cover, either through social media or a comment section on the podcast platform you're listening for. Make sure you leave reviews and send it to friends and family who would benefit. I want to thank everybody who has been reviewing our podcasts. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you guys, and I'll see you next time.